Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe McGranahan is here, our good ultra conservative. Uh, mayor. Still seething over taking the firearms away from Yosemite Sam right. and Elmer Fudd. This is a disgrace. Right. Your Looney Tunes debacle is uh, actually, <laughs> our, we posted that on Facebook. We got a lot of comments, but a lot of people pretty upset about that. I bet they agree with me. Well, yeah, there's nobody saying this is an appropriate uh, way. To de-escalate the importance of guns in our society, which I think that's a true thing to do, a good thing to do. Of course, you do. Owning uh, so many of them yourself, you want to make sure everybody else doesn't have that pleasure. <laughs> On the market, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, you can check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open. You can call us one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. You can email us at onthemarket@kok.com or text us at seven zero two three six. We're so glad to have an opportunity to introduce uh, on the line now. Jalila Parker is on the line. She is the executive director of the Governor's Advisory Commission on African American Affairs and is the deputy director of the Southeast Regional Office of the Governor. We've seen her in and around the Philadelphia region doing uh, well political and fundraising consulting and working for folks like Congressman Dwight Evans and State Senator Art Haywood and mentoring young girls in and around the Philadelphia area. So, Jalila, thank you so much for calling in today. Very glad to hear from you. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me today. I do appreciate that. Uh, the uh, Governor's Advisory Commission on African American Affairs. So walk us through that commission and uh, what, what the deliverables are from uh, the organization. Sure, sure. So the governor has uh, five what we call affinity commissions, and African American Affairs is one. Um, it is uh, 20 volunteers appointed by the governor to really advise um, advise him on anything and all matters and also advocate on behalf of the African American community. So I like to say that it is kind of our high-level think tank on, you know, for, on black policy for, for the governor and his administration. All right. And what, um, and, go ahead. Please continue. Go ahead and finish your explanation. Sure. And the, and the composition, um, the, the commissioners come from all walks of life. So um, we have our seasoned commissioners, young um, men, women, and then different industries. So trying to give him a breadth of, um, of, of a black experience um, through those 20 voices. And within the, uh, the advocacy and the work that you do, explain some of the deliverables, the, the committees and actions, and the, the, just the kind of stuff that has helped to shape Pennsylvania's African-American policy. Sure, sure. So um, a lot of the social service policy that you see coming out of the governor's office is what we like to say. We, we, we try to we take kudos for that um, because some of that um, we know 
impacts the black community on, on a greater scale. So when we're talking about some of the criminal justice reforms initiatives, the clean slate initiatives, um, even new under this pandemic, allowing uh, SNAP recipients to have groceries delivered at home, um, those those initiatives benefit our community um, in a greater impact. Uh, the governor's initiative on fair funding for education in the school system um, impacts um, the, the the black community in a greater way. So it, I wouldn't say we don't tr- we don't paint any of our initiatives as this is only benefiting the black community. They're benefiting society at large, um, but maybe just because of the numbers of the people that um, it it will serve. Sometimes we are disproportionately you know um, in those groups or um, impacted by it. So. That's that's kind of our deliver. Our deliverables are his deliverables, um, you know, for the greater good. And then on another note, um, the governor, um, which specifically for the Black community, last year recognized Juneteenth uh, as a state holiday. He also has been the first governor to celebrate Eid, which is a a Muslim holiday, um, in the in the residence in the governor's residence, and and we we appreciate that as well. Has the governor asked you for anything in respect to the George Floyd killing and and police reform, or are, is that something you would decide on your own and recommend to him? It's, it's a two-way conversation. So um, in that respect, you know, it's the governor asking me my opinion. It's also the commissioner, the commission through me, um, sharing their opinion on how the governor should address those issues, how he should address um, police reform. So it's really a two-way street. Um, you know, the, the governor is a very educated man. He was elected by the people, so he he does have thoughts and opinions of his own, and and our job is also to share, hey, this is what the community, you know, is thinking. And again, these are 20 voices. Um, you, black people have different lived experiences, so we don't, we don't pretend that we are speaking for an entire race. So we are giving him a snapshot of what we think um, he should do. So, yes, we, that is an ongoing dialogue, and we are very um, engaged in those conversations with the governor and his administration. Have you any specific recommendations you'd like to see made to him by either yourself or by your commission, and, and what would they be? Uh, well, you've seen them. I mean, I think, first of all, by having the governor um, go to a Black Lives Matter march and hearing for himself, because a lot of times uh, I can tell you uh, my lived experience, I can share with you plenty of stories and anecdotes, and sometimes people just need to see it for themselves. So the fact that he participated in that march was a kudos. Um, I also think his quick response. Um, a lot of times what we have is elected officials, they hear things that are going on, they see things going on, and they drag it out with task force and commissions. And, and what you saw last week was him coming out with a an agenda, um, things that I can do today, things that, you know, is going to take me 30 days to do, um, and we are working behind the scenes to, to accomplish that agenda that he laid out. So those are the kind of things that we are pushing him for. Um, also knowing that the governor's role, you know, he has direct control over state police and National Guard, and a lot of 
what um, the community is screaming for is universal police reform. So that is the governor has a part to play, the General Assembly has a part to play, and then local municipalities and police chiefs have a part to play as well. So it's it's really a comprehensive package and all of the the different bodies that um you know, the different bodies that govern the police forces would need to, to do an overhaul. A lot of folks say this is a major inflection point for Pennsylvania and the nation as a whole. Uh, what is the way forward? Tell us about uh, how we will progress uh, by this. How we'll uh, inflect forward, I guess. Or will we progress yeah, right. from it? <laughs> um, I think we will. I mean, I think, so a good sign about progression is that we are now having these conversations. If, um, you know, I mean, let's be frank, if we, if this was not going on, um, what topic would I be on the radio show discussing? Or, you know, so I think the, the, the key point is that people are having the conversation, um, people are, who have maybe not done it before are acknowledging that there is a problem or there's things that need to be addressed and fixed. Um, and so I, I, I see a pathway forward. Um, conversation is one. Acknowledgement is two. Um, what that plays out in different communities and societies, that's yet to be seen. Um, so that's, that's the next road. But I, I think that the, the, the big step that we've accomplished is acknowledgement and having the conversations. And these are uncomfortable conversations that we as a country and a state have not had before. Well, here in Pennsylvania, we don't have too many statues to Confederate heroes, except perhaps at Gettysburg. But there is a current trend to take down statues, rename military bases, ban gone with the wind, uh, police shows cops. Is this kind of, is this helpful, do you think, to the the black community? Or is it an overreach on the part of their part, you know, to try and erase history instead of learning from it? So we can, I think we can acknowledge our, our painful past and acknowledge history and not have symbols symbols of it present. Um, so I think it's twofold. I, I don't think anyone that's asking for the removal of statues or flags are, are saying we need to remove this out of the history books. But I also think people do have to feel comfortable in their workplaces and their living situations. And if that is a triggering um, image, if that is um, triggering for them with their family history, then I think it is right for um, government to, to see what their role is in removing some of those symbols. Um, you don't see you know, you don't see symbols, we don't have as many symbols of, of slavery, or we don't have a bunch of symbols um, depicting other painful past. Um, so why should we have symbols um, depicting, you know, one uh, Confederate soldiers versus um, something else? So I, I really think that, and no one, no one wants to erase history, because that's how we learn to move forward, and that's how we learn not to create some of the mistakes that we've done. But we also have to acknowledge that those are very painful memories, and should they be highlighted? Um, I think statues and certain symbolism says that this is something that should be praised and highlighting. And if we're acknowledging that that is a painful past, then we shouldn't have symbols of praise for them.
about I'm what sorry, about? I, that, that's my opinion. Oh, that. that's a very good opinion. But what about context? I mean, wouldn't it be better to just require that let them in place, but give them context, put some kind of a sign out front that explains their significance, why some people oppose them. I mean, it seems to be just tearing them down. I think they're tearing down Christopher Columbus statues now, knocking the head off of them. It seems to be like you know we're trying to bury our head in the sand instead of confronting everything head on. Bury his head in the sand. Well, yeah, and his well, in his case, he doesn't have his head anymore. <laughs> Well, I think we've tried that. I mean, I, I think what you're seeing is um, people have been having these conversations about these symbols, about um, how we how we um, explain Christopher Columbus and the founding of America. Um, we've been having these conversations. Historians have been having these conversations, and yet um, there's been no action. Um, or if there's if a sign is placed in front of some of these monuments and statues, it's very small. Um, and, and, and also, if you're driving down a highway, you're not necessarily stopping to read the description of that person or the semblance of this statue. You are just driving down a highway and you see, you know, a, a statue of Christopher Columbus, um, a statue of Robert E. Lee. And we had a discussion. I, I live in the Philadelphia area. Um, we have Columbus Boulevard um, versus it's the same street, so one section is Columbus Boulevard, another section is Delaware Avenue. So people have been having these discussions. I think what you're just seeing is people being sick and tired of being sick right. and tired and taking some of the action into their own hands. Well, you're from Philadelphia, and I can concur about the statues of Frank Rizzo. I mean, he was a controversial yes. figure in his own time. But, you know, mm -hmm. Robert E. Lee, on the other hand, he could have gone to the hills and taken his men there and fought a guerrilla war, but instead he told them to go home and be as good a citizens of the United States as they were soldiers for him. And he led an exemplary life after the Civil War. It seems like we're not taking into consideration the totality of the people involved. We're just making gut wrenching decisions based on the current mode of, of how we feel well I, I again I would have to disagree I don't okay. I don't think this is the current mode I think um, people have historians and, and activists have been crying out for us to change some of the symbolism and change how we teach American history um, and change those discussions since I've, you know, I've been out of high school for 20-plus years now, and those conversations were being had then. So I, I think um, we, we are at a point where people are just taking direct action. They, they have been crying out for, for us to revisit how we, how we teach history um, and how people learn civics. And, and so, you know, not to take away from anybody's totality of their image, and I think also everyone has has an opportunity to change. I mean, people change their mind thinking as they're exposed and as they learn more. So I agree with that. Um, but I think that the, the removal of the statues really is just people tired of the talk and the rhetoric and saying, you know, now it's just time to just take a bold statement and a bold action. Let's talk about white privilege for a moment. We talk about this, and we have a lot of folks that say there is no such thing, other folks that are just trying to understand it. Uh, can you define it and tell us how whites enjoy white privilege in our area and in Pennsylvania? Sure. So so it's definitely a hard concept to, to grapple, but I um, – so this is my stab at it, and people have different, different definitions. I would say the fact that you can um, – ask that question of me is privileged. Um, I think that if you are a person that is sitting at home and can watch 
or learn about racism as opposed to experiencing experiencing racism um, through your day is an example of white privilege. I will also say um, think about all of our accepted norms that we see when it comes to history, uh, beauty, beauty, standards, media. Um, I, we just talked about uh, the way we teach American history. Black history is an elective in most schools. It is not part of the standardized history telling. And then when it is introduced with the American story, it is introduced with, um, you know, as, as slavery, as opposed to things that happened prior to. Um, if we're talking about beauty standards, I'm a woman, so women out there, um, you can leave Pennsylvania, you can go to California, Virginia, um, and go to any, I'm sure, Target, Walmart, or um, any beauty counter, and you will have no problem finding your shade of foundation. Whereas for me as a black woman, um, depending on where I am, I my color may not be in stock. So that is privileged because the beauty norm is set based on a certain range of, of, of shades. Um, when we're talk- looking at just prime time um, TV, you know, and I'm sure we all have our favorite channels on favorite shows. If we look at the, the images that we see daily on what is a quote unquote wholesome family, you know, a mom, a dad, a, a, a sister, a brother, more than likely that is if that image is depicted as a white family, um, we can probably count on one or two hands when we see that same image portrayed as either a black family or Asian family or a Latino family. And more than likely, those, those, uh, those TV shows are comedies, sitcoms, as opposed to maybe being a drama, you know, a drama or, um, a, heart or gut-riching um, story. So that that's kind of my simplistic way of saying it. Um, I would also say if there's anybody that's into social media, um, there's been a lot of posts, um, and I, I would tell you to explore it. You can use the hashtag white privilege where there have been biracial couples, uh, interracial couples, um, more than likely a, a, a black man is the, the spouse, um, black husband, white white wife, and they sit there and if someone's asking them 10 questions and as they're asked, they're going through the exercise, you see that the black spouse is lowering all their fingers and the, the white spouse has all 10 fingers up because they haven't experienced any of those things um, in, in their daily life. So that is that is my stab at it. It's, it's definitely a hard concept, but I would say if you can sit home and say that you have the ability, the ability and luxury to learn about race and to watch about racism, then more than likely you are experiencing white privilege. If you don't have to do, if you don't have to think about how the color of your skin impacts your daily behavior or how people perceive you, then you are experiencing white privilege. Quite a few people have commented in the past, including before he fell from grace, Bill Cosby, that one of the major problems facing the black community is the lack of black fathers in a majority of homes at the time. I don't know whether that number is still relevant or not. But, you know, how how do we adjust for family in the black community, and how does it, how does it impact on what's happening in the world today for, for blacks? Um, so... Family, I mean, I think family structure, um, it, it changes. I mean, our, our sense of family changes. I, I, don't, I don't think um, using 
the absence of black fathers is a, is a reason to say people are are experiencing different things or that has um, culminated into the ills of our society because you know to, to case in point some of the the things that government has put on families is what's caused the deterioration of the black family um, when you have uh, men being incarcerated for long periods of time or mandatory minimums, you are taking someone out of the home. When um, men were drafted and going to the war and not coming back, you were taking men out of the home. When uh, housing projects were created and uh, women were told, you cannot, you can have this apartment, you can have this government subsidized apartment, but it just has to be you and your child, then men sometimes make the hard decision, well, I'd rather have my, my wife and child have stable housing, I'll do without. So I think um, we can't this government and society has played a role on why um, black men are not present um, and, and just some of the ills of society have taken um, black men out of the equation but I think family is what you make it um, we are now in 2020 not everybody's family looks the same you have intergenerational households you have same sex households so I think the concept of family again is what people make it and um, I, I would never put that on one you know one person or a black man being absent as a, you know as a trigger for why people are, are dealing with the issues that they're dealing with. Anything you would like to add for our interview, and maybe an important point, maybe I didn't ask you, is there anything that you would like to bring up for our audience? Um, I would just say, you know, for well, one, thank you for having me to, to have this conversation. Um, and I know that these are uncomfortable conversations for people who are not um, used to talking about race, um, racism, any of our isms. Uh, we have a lot of them in 2020. So please feel free to, uh, uh, I mean, social media has been great. Follow young people. Uh, young people are really leading this conversation. Um, there are wonderful books out there, I will say, um, for your listening audience, uh, the the some of the things that are being talked about now um, in society. We're talking about mass incarceration. There's um, 13th is a, a documentary that's on Netflix. That's a good one. Um, Just Mercy, I think right now is streaming for the rest of the month um, on all of the different mediums. I watched it free on demand the other day. That is a, a great um, book, a great movie to watch. American Son is on Netflix. It was a Broadway play starring Carrie Washington. Um, that is a good one. It, it shows you the response um, of that is an interracial couple and the response that the father gets who's white and Carrie Washington who's a black mother, what they get um, in the same setting. So that is, that is probably a good one to watch, especially if you're trying to understand um, white privilege and discrimination because they're dealing with the same trauma, but yet you see the, how people treat them differently dealing in the same situation. Um, so yeah, I, 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 love to, I would love to be back on, um, but there's a, a bunch of resources out there um, between books, TV shows, where you can have those internal, uncomfortable conversations, and I'm sure 
there are plenty of people that are willing to talk to you as well about their lived experience. Well, I've, I've argued for a long time in this program that our real problem is we're, we're afraid to sit down and talk to each other because we're afraid we're going to offend the other person by the questions we ask. But you've done an excellent job of asking some of our questions, and <laughs> they were tougher than some we've asked other people, and you've handled them very well. And I thank you for taking the time to be on the program with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Do keep in touch. Come and visit us sometime as soon as uh, uh, we can, we're capable of meeting in the same room again. We'd love to have right, you back. Right. <laughs> back well, when the world studios. opens back up. Yep. Amen. Amen. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate that, Ms. Parker. Uh, Jalila Parker, Executive Director, Governor's Advisory Commission on African American Affairs in uh, Harrisburg. We'll take a quick break. When we return, uh, we'll have some words between Joe and I. And then, uh, will they be frivolous words or will they be weighty? <laughs> I, think, uh, I think we're in a weighty mood today, so we'll be talking about that shortly. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Well, we do have a comment on our guest. One email rolled in. It says, I was listening to her, and as soon as she gave her description of white privilege, she lost me. I don't want to hear about she doesn't get her right shade of makeup. I, too, think about the color of my skin when I'm in certain areas. My opinion about her opinion, she has a platform. I don't. But indeed, but you, you do have you a do. platform. <laughs> what is it? You that just we, used it. <laughs> what did you think you were just on? <laughs> well, I think that's true. When you're in our area, you don't have to be, think about being white. But if you're in Philadelphia, or you go to Chester, Pennsylvania, or uh, even in Harrisburg, has a higher minority population today than in years past, you do have to think, or you can think about your skin color if you so choose. You are, by definition, exactly what she's talking about. Individuals who a don't have to think about their color, and b aren't worried about people that are worried about uh, their color or, you know, finding products at stores that they need or being able to move without being judged. Well, there are many times I go to a store for a product and they don't have what I want. I mean, and the reason is they can't sell as many of them as they can of something else. It's called marketing. And business. And business, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You mean stores are there for a product? Yes, believe it or not. This is WK, okay, Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, 
Mark Lawrence, and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Joe is here. Phones are open. Rob's in place, ready and eager to answer your telephone calls on the mark sponsor by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. We'd love to hear from you today. It is open phones. Of course, we've been talking about race this week, but yesterday we took a break and talked about some lunacy in Looney Tunes, getting rid of Yosemite Sam's pistols and Elmer Fudd's shotguns. So, of course, that would prompt a, a big response. We, then, of course, we talked about Gone with the Wind, Gone from HBO Max. Of course, there's a thousand other platforms that still have it. We had a great guest on the first part of the program, uh, defining white privilege for us, so we do appreciate that. That's very helpful. And we've had uh, a couple of responses since then. So we uh, can talk about any and all of these topics. Call us now, 1-800-795-9565. On the mark sponsor by the Sunbury Motor Company, do check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line now open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. We can email each other at onthemarketwkok.com. And mostly you can email me. Now we can reply, though, anyway. And you can text us at 70236. Why can't they email yeah, I me? I knew, I knew that wouldn't go by. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I'm here, too, you yeah, know. I know you. Email Joe, please. Make him feel good. Joe's feeling a little glum today. State troopers say they're investigating two deaths at a turbid township, Northumberland County home. The home is on Phillips Road. Troopers say they were called Wednesday afternoon. They will only tell us that the deaths were because of traumatic injuries, but beyond that, no other details or identities being disclosed yet. yet. House and Senate Republicans late in the afternoon held a joint news conference in Harrisburg Wednesday to respond to the governor's rejection of their joint resolution on the steps of the Capitol. State Senator Gene Yaw said keeping the emergency declaration in place is killing Pennsylvania's economy. He said the only purpose that the emergency declaration serves at this point is to keep more Pennsylvanians out of work. And the governor did hold a news conference earlier today. It was broadcast on WKOK, and you can hear it at WKOK.com. He said all laws and regulations pertaining to the pandemic are going to stay the same while he rejects and fights that resolution. It would not end the orders signed by Secretary of Health, Dr. Rachel Levine, under the Disease Prevention Act that include provisions for business reopening and worker and building safety. As of Tuesday, the GOP controlled state house, and last week the Senate passed joint resolutions directing the governor to issue a proclamation to rescind his disaster emergency. Three new COVID-19 cases have popped up in the valley. Uh, two are in Snyder County. One is in Union County. There have been about 60 cases in the valley over the past uh, two uh, two weeks. In the last 14 days, Union and Snyder County are up to 21 cases additionally, while Northumberland and Montour remain at 37 uh, statewide, 410 new deaths have been confirmed in Pennsylvania. The Lake Augusta Wine and Beer Festival will still be held this year, but it won't happen until late uh, after summer because of the pandemic and release Thursday. Sunbury Revitalization Incorporated says they'll hold the festival December 12th at the Albright Center. They also canceled the sandwich stroll that was uh, scheduled. Geisinger says they're still discouraging large gatherings like the one we saw at the protests. Those protests are no different than other large gatherings that we continue to see, whether it's backyard barbecue or people not practicing distancing or masking or some parties around Memorial Day weekend. I think those are all as concerning. 
And he said our society, Dr. J. Wan Roo says our society does still have a lot to do when it comes to working for, working through issues of equality and racism. Did you happen to see this morning's CNN program where they showed, where they were talking about the same thing Dr. Roo was talking about, the need to practice social distancing? Instead of focusing on the demonstrations, which were pretty egregious, they ran a picture of Vice President Pence and a group of his staff meeting without masks. Mm. And that was the example they chose to use of people not practicing social distancing and wearing masks. Right, yeah, what are those, 50 people <laughs> packed in a tiny room there? Well, well, you know, so you could have easily have used the uh, the demonstrators easily. E- either or. Right, either or. There is some masking in the demonstrators, not most, and of course but they're not But even so, social distancing, the, even the right. governor was out there, he's telling the rest of us to stay away from each other, but he's taking part in a march where he's shoulder to shoulder with other people. Well, sometimes what you're fighting for becomes more important than your health. I mean, look what our U.S. soldiers do. They, Their personal safety aside, they say defending freedom is worth the sacrifice, and I but think... But that's a choice we all make individually, except here the governor's imposing his choice on us. I got you. Okay. All right. I think we're in the weeds on that one. But anyway, we, I don't want to no, get to we're right on the surface. Oh, are we? Okay. Well, finally, we'll end the newscast with some good news. Are you happy now? Some I want to hear news? good news. Yes. First of all, the campaigning will resume, and Pennsylvania is going to be a spotlight state, and the first visit of the Trump-Pence campaign is tomorrow. My goodness, where will it be? Vice President Pence will make an appearance at a manufacturing plant near Pittsburgh Friday as part of their new campaign effort to showcase the nation's economy. Making a strong comeback, President Donald Trump had planned to run on the economy, but of course the coronavirus had other ideas. And now their new ad proclaims, The Great American Comeback Has Begun. And President Donald Trump says he's planning to hold his first political rally uh, next Friday, not tomorrow, next Friday in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with people present. Very interesting. Are you okay now? You're oh, happy. yeah. Well, I, I was fascinated by uh, last night, Trevor, what's that late night comment? Trevor name? Noah. Trevor Noah had Joe Biden on and asked him about whether or not he thought Trump would, uh, if he lost the presidency, would vacate the White House. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no, it's a, And Joe it's Biden weighed in that he was certain the military would promptly escort him out. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there we go. All right. Uh, one of our emailers sends us a note. Says, thanks for your platform. Also, if I could use your platform today, I'm left-handed, and I would like them to put out more left-handed notebooks on the counter. They really do have them out there, but they're very hard to find. Again, thank you. And that's with, with the spirals on the other side? Right. Okay. I, I've just gotten used to putting my hand on the spirals when I write right. something. Yeah, me too. We're all left-handed. Uh, our good emailer and Joe and I are left-handed. Tom Morgan's left-handed. All right. We, we got lefties all over the place here. All right. one 800 is our telephone number. Yesterday, we talked about Yosemite Sam getting rid of his pistols. The new owners of Looney Tunes are making new cartoons, and uh, Yosemite Sam won't have pistols, and even though they're going to blow Bugs Bunny up with dynamite, they, Elmer Fudd won't use a shotgun to do it. This is sad. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is sad stuff. Bill, what's your view on all this? Well, first off, I don't think Yosemite Sam or Elmer Fudd killed many people with any uh, and then if they're going to take the guns away, they got to take guns away from Daffy and Bugs because one time they went hunting for Elmer's. If you remember <laughs> that cartoon? Yeah, I vaguely recall that one. <laughs> you know, they were tearing down the sides and they said, now it's Elmer's season. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think Bugs disarmed Elmer more than once in cartoons. <laughs> that's, that's true. Now, if you really want to get to a problem 
if you think cartoons are a problem, I, I think a bigger problem is the rap songs that glorify carrying guns around. So, I mean, if you're going to bar cartoons, I think you ought to start with the rap songs first. Well, and I think, you know, if you want to talk... Cartoons. You know, if you want to talk about arts, entertainment, and culture as a, a class of... Uh, you know, outreach and entertainment. Uh, we're going to have to talk about culture and uh, respect for women. And you know, we talk about the rap songs and and how that uh, how they portray women. So okay, so we want you know Black Lives to Matter, but what about women's lives? Are we in the same boat when it comes to do do we care as deeply about that? Yeah, and I th- I, I think J- Jalila Parker was just on the line. I think she raises those questions and and says you know we got to do a top to bottom reexamination. Of of how we look at ourselves and and how we behave and, and and what we think and you know are we really accepting of uh, so we're not other. allowed to think independently we all have to arrive at exactly the same oh, conclusions no, no, no. No, and behave to, that you, way you, as i think she very plainly stated or you were looking at your phone at the time but she said we all have to go through our lived experience <laughs> right and, i heard her and heard every word that, she said adapt that to an, an, a progress if, if we want to make progress yeah, and and another thing, I don't. You and Joe didn't uh, touch on the subject. I think it was either last week, week before last, right after the the uh, riots and build up here, or whatever you want to call them. What gives the governor the right to take the pandemic money that was earmarked for the little grocery stores and everything, getting their support and taking that support now down to the stores that got burned out and everything. If, if the government put that for the pandemic issue, the riots are a completely separate issue. He should have no authority to take that money away from them and give it to somebody else who's sure was destroyed by uh, rioting or whatever, and not because of the pandemic. That mark was that money was earmarked for them and nobody else. Well, I'm sure the money, he doesn't have discretion for the PPP loans that you're talking about, and they are loans to places that uh, lost workers because of the pandemic. So uh, he can't do that. He does have discretionary funds. There were CARES dollars, but all of that is COVID-related. So uh, what's your source for that? And uh, and I appreciate it. I'm sure it's reliable, and we can certainly follow up. It was on the news. I mean, he he even said it on one of his conferences. He's going to take the money and... And, and put it into those stores that were raided and everything, and it, 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 he said it. I mean, I, I okay. heard it. I gotcha. Oh, gotcha. I hear you. Okay. Well, he's he, he's also said he was going to punish counties that didn't follow his edicts by withholding money from them, too. So, right. Yeah. I so think far, no punishments meted out so far. Yeah. And like I said, and, and, and my last thing is, you know, this. If the governor can walk down the streets of Harrisburg protesting with the protesters... Then I think it's time to open everything up. And if you want to take your family to the Bloomsburg Fair, the Knobles, what's the difference now? Yeah, take no the, difference. I right. still like what somebody said. We'll just say there are protests with food and music. <laughs> and then everybody yeah, be allowed to everybody a, be allowed to come. Yeah, we need a protest that has a flume. <laughs> right. All right, thank you, Bill. Thanks for calling. Thanks for in. calling. Appreciate, appreciate that, it. Bobby. Thanks for waiting. You're on the mark. Yes. Uh, good morning. For food and music, I agree. Uh, pro, you know, but uh, but anyhow, the conversation you know this morning with the woman on the air, she pointed out a lot of interesting um, you know observations. Plus, plus also in that culture, and that, and of course. Uh, 
my, of course, when I was working at WKOK, uh, then I went to Harrisburg uh, to uh, Electronics Institute. So at that point, I was living down there d- during the week in that. And I was never lived in a major city before, and I learned a lot of uh, culture. And yes, there was people from different races, creeds, and everything else, but, you know, it totally, um, I'm going to say, enhanced my view you know, at that point, you know, from growing up in Sunbury versus uh, right now, I'm in city, uh, Center City, Harrisburg, going out to the mall. Um, you know, you can we can learn so much from other people's cultures, and uh, like 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 what Joe says about what happened to the times that people could sit down and have an intelligence con- uh, conversation and basically get to know each other. Well, you learned a lot. You said it enhanced your life. Yes. We need yes. more of that around here. All right. Yes. Thank you, Bobby. Right, Th- thank you. Yep. Thanks for checking in. Michael, last caller before a quickie break. You're on the mark. How you doing? Perfect. We're doing well. Thank you. Good. Oh, good. I had a similar experience as your previous caller there. I worked on the railroad in the track department with the, about 60% of which was uh, black folks. And over, you learn a lot over the course of 40 years working with, with guys every single day. Uh, this this white privilege thing, are you guys familiar with DWB? DWB? Yes. Not really. Oh, driving while black. Driving oh, driving while, while black. black. Okay, yes. yes. She, right. she was kind enough not to mention that. <laughs> yeah, she was. I mean, that, that's a really good example. I mean, I don't get in my uh, pickup truck and go to the store figured on being stopped by a policeman because I'm white. <clears throat> I mean, that's something that happens to black men quite a bit. And there's another, there's another thing I was always made aware of was a thing called the talk. Are you familiar with that? The talk? No. What, what's that you know, TV show? The uh, View? You the mean View, The Chew, yeah, the, chew, the well, View? The talk is afterward. Right? White folks, when they give their... When you talk about the talk, it's usually about... Uh, the birds and the bees. The birds and the bees, yeah, right? There you go. When black families talk about the talk, it's mostly to their uh, boys and young men about how to try to uh, maximize uh, surviving uh, encounters with the police in such a way as to not get uh, beat up or, or even killed. That's what, that's what black folks uh, call the talk. And I'm surprised you never heard about this? Uh, yes, I have heard I have, about I just, it. Yeah, poets and authors talk about it. We don't get a lot of talk about it around here. But no, you, huh? you... but you know, they live in a different... I mean, I spent... Uh, I was the vice president of my union local for like 20 years, and I spent a lot of time... Uh, I tried to talk them into getting involved in the, the black guys. We always call them the black guys. It was, black was what we used then. And about investing and get involved in uh, IRAs and 401ks and that kind of stuff uh, to make a better retirement. I mean, we have a good retirement system on the railroad, but it, that would be like icing on your uh, retirement cake. And uh, I, I couldn't get them. Uh, they would never respond to me about that because they simply didn't trust whitey. Hmm. They didn't trust white institutions like banks and investment firms on, on account of their history with uh, white institutions over a really long period of time. And that has a lot to do with the situation that black folks are in sometimes, too. They don't, they don't, uh, they just simply don't trust white institutions. I don't know. Were you guys aware of any, 
Ever hear anything about that? Oh, not not specifically white institutions. I mean, almost every black person I know has bank accounts, you know, and I don't know that well, they're all black-owned I'm, banks. Well, you see, you don't. Every yeah, everyone you know, right? But I, I worked in the track department. That's the lowest of the low in the railroad hierarchy. Even though we get really important sometimes, but they, uh, I, I knew uh, older retiring. Uh, Black folks who the first time they ever had a bank account in their life, a checking account was something that they had to get in order to have an electronic transfer from the uh, railroad retirement board because they stopped sending out checks. Uh, they never had; they were never banked their their entire life. And they, hmm. we're talking about guys that are anywhere from sixty to sixty-five years of age. Wow! Never trusted to yeah, conventional banks. There, you see, there, there's a whole lot. For white folks to, uh, I have a lot of white folks. They're not interested in what, what you know, the history of black folks very much. I just happen to be in, in the middle of it all the time. Okay. In all my right. uh, work situation, so. All right, we got it. Well, thank I was you for the calling vice in. The union local, so I, I represented white and black all the time. You know, different situations that come off this and that kind of stuff. I'm just so there's lots of reasons why. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I sort of lost track of what I'm trying to tell you. All right, that we'll give you some time to think about it. The experience in the United States is really quite different than the white experience yeah, in the United no, States. No I, I just like you to understand that somehow. All right, thank well, you so I think, much. Think thank you, you, you for that you argument welcome. about yeah, every immigrant in. group that come in here. And Latin uh, Hispanics probably have a different life experience than Irish people. And Irish people are a different one than some folks from Germany. I mean, we all should theoretically come together in this great big melting pot of ours. People who are short, like me, experience different things. Yeah. Well, like, like differently. I can't see anything on the upper shelves. Let's, let's ban that song by, who was it, Short People? Uh, short forget people. that. People got nobody. Who was that? busy, but oh, gosh. <laughs> Short people do do. Yeah, no, do Randy that. Newman. Randy Thank Newman. You. Thank Jeez. you. That was not on the tip vocals of my t- from Glenn Fry from the Eagles background vocals. Ah, okay. <laughs> there you know. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, we want you to do something. Please get your clackety clacker out right now and visit SunburyMotors.com to see their entire Ford, Lincoln. Kia, Hyundai, inventory. they got tons of vehicles for sale now. They had an abundance from during the pandemic. Now they've sold off a couple of them, but they certainly have many left, and plus they got more. So a lot of folks initially checked and looked for their brand new Kia Telluride that really was supposed to go to me, uh, and they didn't have the perfect color, and they said, well, I'll just wait a little bit, and guess what? That little bit has happened, and now it's time to check back in, because not only do they have the Kia Telluride that you want with the all-wheel drive and the six or the two-liter motor and the turbocharger and the sunroof and uh, I'm just speculating here on the, all that anti-collision stuff and lane holder thingamabobs uh, but now they have the color you want. You wanted that tan champagne type color and now they have it same with the Hyundai and the Lincoln and the Ford they got all the perfect vehicles that you were looking for and now they got more in so they got the color you wanted so please go to sunburymotors.com check out your next vehicle you will join the hundreds of thousands of people who are driving around in uh, Sunbury Motor vehicles who are happy customers and are glad to occasionally and go to the quick lane to get their routine work done and to get pumped back up with nitrogen but you can check out sunburymotors.com See their entire Ford, Lincoln, Kia, and Hyundai and pre-owned inventory. Select the perfect vehicle for you and purchase it right online from your home.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Uh, let's see. No brand no brand new emails are out there. Are you okay, buddy? That's a little loud. Well, maybe if you didn't have your headphones up to ridiculous They're not. levels. I, it's up to an average level. Oh, are you? I want to make sure I don't are miss they? a single word you say. Are you ever going to wear a hearing aid? No, I don't need one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just had my wellness exam where the nurse rubbed her fingers together and I could hear it. So I'm, I'm all right. But thank you for your concern. Listen, what do you think about taking the Confederate flag off of NASCAR, renaming the forts that were named after Confederate or the Army installations named after NASCAR. Confederates? forts. Uh, I think it's worth having the discussion. I, I, I think the Confederate flag is a symbol of of sort of rebellion and, you know, breaking away from the status quo, and so it's retained right. that. But it's a symbol that has a deep meaning for other people, especially for African Americans, and it harkens back to the slave era and is a uh, a symbol of that. And so I, I think out of an abundance of consideration, I think NASCAR is a lot of things, but one of, one of them is trying to be a business and to make money and they think they'll make more money. You know, you can't make a lot of money if you deliberately say, okay, well, we're going to carve out about 10% of the U.S. population and make sure that they feel unwelcome here. So I think they will carve out about 5% of the white population, but they'll be able to include more people. It'll be more inclusive. Well, well, there are many people, and I don't necessarily think they're racist, but there are many people who find Black Lives Matter to be you know the, the the expression and and that to be something I won't say offensive but something that doesn't promote unity let's put it that way and yet NASCAR allowed a race driver first black driver in what 45 years in NASCAR history to ride in a car that said black lives matters so suppose the people who had the confederate flag found that offensive should he be banned from doing that because they're banned from having the confederate flag i don't know does does the phrase black lives matter harken back to a torturous enslaving and abuse well, you and kidnapping of millions You could tie it to riots in major cities and burning and looting and things like that. It's at least associated with it in the same way the Confederate flag is associated with some things that are unpleasant to, to black people. And you, you say, so at the end, it's like during the, the Confederate flag calls attention to slavery. The Not necessarily of, today. I, I well, go back to my argument all along. It's, it's context. Symbol, so no, it's context. It's, it's different for everybody, what, what it stands for. Let's keep it in context. Context. In other words, if, if a Confederate flag is flown because someone is a racist, then it's wrong. If it's flown because it's a symbol of rebellion, what was that TV show um, that had the general, the car, the general that had the Confederate flag on it? It was a very popular TV show a few years ago. The General back. Lee was on uh, the popular TV show, show, The Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard. Okay. So we banned the Dukes of Hazard. Should that never be shown again? 
You know, I, I just think that we're well, going I, down I, a I don't disagree with your remarks that you like all these things to stay up or to maybe be moved to another place but still in plain sight with the proper context listed, you know, saying that this is uh, <coughs> General Robert E. Lee, and he was, of course, a Confederate general, but after the, the uh, war, he did this, that, and the other thing that sort of uh, made him, uh, again, as he was before, a model citizen for, you know, the country that he was part of. So. President of Washington and Lee University. It was originally think. Washington University, but they added Lee's name because of his service. I'm not a statue terror downer. I told you that before. I, I think uh, I like your context idea. But as uh, Ms. Parker uh, pointed out, if you're just driving by on the highway, you never see the um, context that might be added to the base of the statue or more words or more explanation or whatever. So maybe along the highway isn't the perfect spot, but maybe there is a perfect spot. Well, I, I look at um, the president of the Confederacy. They tore down his statue, Jefferson Davis, uh, in, or they tried to tear it down. I don't think they succeeded. They, the rope broke. You know, all right, I, I will concede that Jefferson Davis is not someone that I think in today's world is worthy of honor. You know, he, he did serve with honor and distinction the United States well, government before the Civil War. He's a traitor. Well, yes, and he could have easily been hung had uh, President President uh, Lincoln decided to let him escape. In other words, he said if, he said to his troops when they asked if he wanted to, uh, Jefferson Davis hunted down, he said it would be all right if he got away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so but Jefferson Davis lived out his life here in this country. We didn't punish him then. You know, other than the punishment that he got from just being a part of a losing cause, so why are we punishing him now? But his statue, I can understand taking that and moving it somewhere else. But General Robert E. Lee, no, I can't. I think, you know, you go back to Fort Bragg. Braxton Bragg was not exactly one of the most successful Confederate generals. He was rather roundly disliked, and the only reason he kept his position in the Confederate Army was because Jefferson Davis liked him. Okay. You know, he, he didn't follow up in some battles. And so we have Fort Bragg to this <laughs> so day. So we have Fort Bragg to this day. Um, you know, so I, I just think that we need to explain these people, or we don't learn from these people. And I would rather these see... These being the people on the statu- uh, who are right. in the statues, or and are the statues. I, I've said before, I'm not a big fan of Christopher Columbus. I think that he did some pretty terrible stuff. But he also had the courage and the guts and the, the foresight to say there was something out there, and I want to find it. If there weren't people who had his initiative and his willingness to take a risk, where would society be today? Well, but I, I think that's true. So in the history books, it's very important that they start out the Christopher Columbus section and talk about how adventurous and, and how ambitious he was, and then include in the next chapter how uh, terrible it was right. for Native Americans and for the... Uh, they brought disease to them. Well, and they weren't Native Americans then. They were just indigenous people, and they weren't even where we think of Native Americans today. They no, true enough. South. But in any event, people were enslaved and, and injured and killed and uh, left with disease. So Christopher did them no favor. So that should be part of the context. So with that in mind, that Christopher Columbus was an adventurous explorer who, uh, for whom we must give a lot of credit for helping us discover that the world is round and that we can circumnavigate the globe. So that's important. Uh, on the other hand, was you know very harmful to indigenous people and was disrespectful to them and you know didn't honor them as humans. And so therefore. 
should we name Columbus Boulevard after him? Well, let's go, go one step further. I'm reading a book now called The Indian World of George Washington. It's a fascinating book about Washington's relationship with Native Americans, starting from when he was a young man all the way through his presidency. And it's a fascinating book uh, from the standpoint of he was a land grabber. I mean, his one of his big motivations was to grab land in the Ohio Territory from the Indians. And he pursued that goal rather relentlessly during his time in the Army and during his time as President of the United States. Okay. So should we take him off the $1 bill? You know, are we going to erase the first president? He was a slave owner and a land grabber, and he wasn't always fair to Native Americans. Well, Sunbury has a Washington but Boulevard. on the other hand, he could have become a king, and he opted not to, and he set the tone by saying he wouldn't serve more than two terms. So here's a complex man, as so many of these historical figures are complex people. When and you to hold just them brush, under today's lights. Well, and to just brush them aside without explaining, without trying to make some effort to learn the context and, and provide people with some framework to evaluate their life and their works. All right, 1-800-795-9565. We always report uh, news during the show. AP reporting Dow Industrials down 900 points in the very early going, so that's a big drop. Yeah, Asian markets were way down. Overseas trading was Uh, way down overnight. Another big crazy day. All right, we're going to take a quickie break. we got our caller standing by. We will be right back. Hold on, guys. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. Uh, on the mark, 1-800-795-9565. You can enjoy the one line that is open, but the rest are not, and that puts Van on the radio. Thanks for calling in, sir. Morning, Van. Morning. How you doing? Hanging in there. How about you, buddy? Oh, hanging in, too. <laughs> I was listening to a guy by the name of Jericho Green. He's a black man from Chicago, and he said apparently Chicago didn't get the BLM memo because this past weekend there were 85 people shot and 24 killed in Chicago. And they were all black-on-black crimes. And they had, he said, the oldest person that was murdered was 39, and then kids, you know, 18 years old as well. So and he, he wanted to know, where's the outrage over this? You know, where's the, where's the people marching? He said, where's, where's Black Lives Matter? Why aren't they in Chicago? Why aren't they protesting there? You know, and also, you know, with another thing that doesn't seem to be any concern with Black Lives Matter is all the abortions that are taking place amongst the black people. There's estimated eight to nine hundred abortions a day in the black community alone. And Planned Parenthood has their abortion clinics in those neighborhoods to make it readily available so they can you know, basically control the black people. 
That's very interesting. I just when you said that, I looked up the story online, and the Chicago Sun Times says the headline is "18 Murders in 24 Hours Inside the Most Violent Day in 60 Years in Chicago." And it goes through the list of people who were killed. A hardworking father killed just before 1 a.m. A West Side High School student murdered two hours later. A man killed amid South Side looting at a cell phone store. So you're right, it's pretty bad. You would think that if black lives matter, they matter no matter who takes them. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that? Well, that's, that's exactly this guy's point. You know, it's like he, he said, you know, it isn't BLM, it's SBLM. You know, some black lives matter. And he said, the, he said if you'd have had one you know, white guy killing a black guy, that would have made headlines. So it's, you know, they want to say systemic racism, blame the white people. They want us to bow down and apologize for our whiteness and white privilege. There's, you know, it's like this guy said, he said, my mother succeeded. And he said, how did she succeed? She worked. You know, she was a single mother and she, she joined the military, became a nurse, and she raised her family and is a success because she worked and and the thing is you know this police reform it's not going to change because you and i realized like you talked before you can't legislate morality but with these inner cities they are so bad they're so awful i mean when when we watched all the rioting going on another thing he brought out was you didn't see any mega hats on these people that were bashing windows out of of businesses and, and looting the places you didn't see that but yet the left calls the right deplorables, and what's going on on their side of the aisle? You know, I don't think they're Republicans that are, you know, out there bashing windows out of places. Maybe Mark thinks different. Uh, about MAGA looting? About, yeah. that, would be, that would be bizarre. <laughs> yeah. MAGA rally got out of control and they went looting. Well, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't think people who wear MAGA hats are, are fed up with the system. They probably have not been raised in, in poverty. They may not have been a victim of systematic ra- you, that, racism. I don't, again, think the, uh, I don't think of the uh, MAGA hat as being worn by people who uh, are suffering uh, under the under white privilege or have really been affected by systematic racism. I think MAGA is mostly white. I think it is not exclusively white, to be sure, uh, but I think it is a mostly white phenomenon. All right, you get another 30 seconds. Go right ahead. Well, again, you always play the white privilege card. Like, that's the answer for everything, but it's not the truth. The truth of the matter is these black neighborhoods have problems because of what's been allowed to go on because of you know, it goes back to Lyndon Baines Johnson's great society. He took and he made these people, you know, they're reliant on the government. Right, and he's that destroyed, was mis- and the Democrats have destroyed the families. It's, and if it's any white people that's affecting him, it's the liberals on the left. Gotcha. And this guy also, he made fun of, he, he says, Shalosi. He said, Shalosi's at it again. He says, now this is his <laughs> words. He says that Shalosi. It's Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer that they take their two walnut-sized brains and put them together, and then they drape these scarves on themselves so they have an African garb on, and they take a knee. And he says he's sick of it. This is coming from a black guy. Right. You know, and you can listen to Jericho Green. If you want to listen to this guy, right, we've he's heard very of crude, but it's like Candace Owens, another, you know, she's a black lady. I'm sure you've both All right, heard we got to get the next caller. But Thank you but so much, Van. we got to get the next yeah, we caller. Have, we have three lined up here, Van, so we got to try right, and let everybody on. We're Thanks. doing our three-minute thing here. Lance, you're on the mark. You are next. Go right ahead. 
Okay, well, what that uh, previous caller said was exactly what I was going to get into. And I had an article here by uh, um, Heather McDonald, and she more or less outlined exactly what that previous caller did outline. And it's going into the neighborhoods that are that crime-ridden, that bad. As a policeman, okay, you're looking at a group of individuals that has a murder rate. Well, the young black men have a murder rate of 220 per 100,000. Now think about that. When you're thinking about young white men, have it, it's close to 20, which is just about 10 times the white rate. Now, okay? Right. right. Do you, do you, th- why, why is that? What's your uh, observation? Well, that's what I, I they're going to have to clean up their act first. You want to know? Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe well, why, maybe why that you, isn't it. Uh, maybe it isn't uh, because of systematic racism, or maybe it isn't because of poverty or the drug culture or, uh, you know, unequal education or lack of medical care or things that we typically think of if I'm going to do the sort of the white privilege or systematic racism uh, definition. Uh, maybe it isn't because of that. Maybe there's something else going on in Chicago or in that, you know, just in that particular neighborhood. I don't know about. I don't have the answer to that. But one thing is for sure, you know, the racism topic that we're talking about is real, and uh, I know Van dismisses the concept of white privilege, but it is certainly real, and the fact that you have it makes it 100% clear that you don't know it. So I just think that, uh, and whatever's going on in the black community that would require, or not require, that would lead to these deaths, um, I'd love to know what it is. Well, drugs probably drug deals yeah, could be. Well, well here, here's the deal, though, guys. Um, if you had a problem in your neighborhood, would you destroy your neighborhood, or would you go out after Whitey? And 85 percent of black crime is on black, so there's no race war there. That's for sure. I mean, now I can see if these guys were going into white neighborhoods and really doing things bad. Yeah, okay, we're after Whitey for what he did, but why? turn on your own. All right, we'll get some answers. We'll find out. We'll, f- so we'll find somebody who knows. I'll ask uh, uh, Ms. Jalila Parker if she can tell us who can answer All these right, questions now, for us. Okay. <laughs> okay. That lady that was on, It's. I thought, this is sort of like a guy who's six foot six, moves to Tokyo, and complains he can't find a tall man's store. Right. If a black's <laughs> going to come into our area, she should be made to suffer. Absolutely. You're right, Wait Lance. Well, she shouldn't be able to find things for blacks around here. This is a white area. I don't think that was her point, and I don't think it's Lance's point either. No, it's my point. (laughs) If you were a John Deere dealer, would you uh, stock parts for for a farm wall? Right. Well, yeah, Joe and I talked about this off mic. We never did it on mic, but the people that she spoke of are business people, and their goal is to make money and use shelf space up for items. They that, sell what that, moves. But you had a great move. solution, Joe. What was your solution? I said I, I would think that would create an, an, an opportunity for a black entrepreneur to come in and open up a business. <laughs> or, that, or any kind or of any, uh, anyone. Yeah, anyone who come in and open up a business that catered to those products. I agree. I mean, 10% of the market is still a market you can make a good living on. All right, Lance, go ahead. We'll give you the last word. Go ahead. Well, it's just that... Uh, if you look at it, that blacks are now 
12% of the population. They were pushing hard for 14, but thanks to Planned Parenthood, why well, they've been dropping back quite a bit. And uh, that is a real problem, I would think, for everybody who's trying to get more representation in the uh, society. Okay, fair That's enough, Lance. We got three right. other calls. We got to move on. Right. Thank you. Thank you, you so much. Cindy, last caller before the break. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Wow, isn't it great? You, what, you just well, got, you well, got up to Oh, I never did. Hey, Christopher Columbus never <laughs> set foot on any Hang land on a second. that is He's part cut of the continental off. United States. Hello? Yep, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I accidentally cut off he Bill. He cut wow. off three other callers. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry, guys. Are you still there? Yes. yes. If you okay. were in line, call back. <laughs> Christopher Columbus never set foot on any land that is part of the continental United States. Not one grain of sand. So I don't know why we spend our time idolatrizing him, because it, it isn't warranted. Lots of people, Elif Erikson, land, a, another European, landed on uh, what is now the, you know, North America dec- centuries before Christopher Columbus ever came. And he certainly didn't circumnavigate the globe, Mark. He only made it to North America and went back. No, no, so, but I'm just saying that it was it not his type of exploration that led to that? I don't think he did it. I agree with you. Yeah, well, so did the people who left what was Asia and traveled across. Okay, so he doesn't get that sentence in his little plaque on Washington or on Columbus <laughs> Boulevard. No problem. Well, you know, hey, I'm taking the down the Columbus I just stuff. Say to all the people who have such great angst about this is, I go past statues all the time and don't reflect upon them at all. I'm betting most people drive past a lot of this stuff and don't reflect upon it at all. You know, so I understand they're upset, but try to keep it in perspective. The other thing I want to say is this. I'm five feet tall, five feet two, but I'm probably shrinking at my age. <laughs> and everywhere I go, there's stuff in the stores that's out of my reach. Now, I could stage an enormous protest and say that everything in the store should be at my reach. But isn't that kind of short-sighted? <laughs> so if we did that, there would be far no pun less intended. stuff in the store. <laughs> and it, just like... In life, you need to adapt to the situation. It's basic biology. Does, does the environment adapt to the animal, or does the animal that wants to survive adapt to the environment? Well, the animal adapts. So you know what I do? Then This happens to me constantly. If I can't reach it, I go find someone of the <laughs> store who can. Or if I can't, then I ask someone who's near me please reach it. And on rare occasions, I move a little merchandise on the bottom shelf, step on it, praying it doesn't collapse, and get what I want. Well, if it were short-sighted, Cindy, it would be a solution to your problem. (laughs) (laughs) Because the problem now is it's long-sighted. You've got to be tall to reach it. Oh, I see. You're trying to be punny. Very punny. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. That's a bad day. I think we have to learn to adapt to the environment that we have. I hear, I agree that if this a uh, young woman who was speaking earlier, if she has a concern about this, well, wow, she's adab- she has identified a market in which she could actually do something. And so I asked myself, instead of complaining that no one else fixed her problem, why doesn't she? Yeah. Or why doesn't she go to people who invent things or develop things and ask them to do it? Go on that show on television where the people eat you alive 
to loan you shark, five bucks. Shark Tank. Yeah, with little, little reacher pincher you know. things or something. <laughs> yeah. Got it out. Go in there. And complain. Right. Maybe one of them will want to make money uh, right. addressing this market. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you. We got Appreciate the call. Thank you. All right, 1 800. Oh, no need to give out the number. We got our callers for the rest of the show. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, we got two callers waiting. I don't know the order anymore because they mess it up. So Billy gets a minute and Chris gets a minute. Go ahead, Billy. Hey, in my one minute, let me first make a sarcastic comment on Mark. Um, earlier you said that white privilege perpetuates itself, and the proof is that that you have white privileges. You don't even know you have it. So it sounds like asymptomatic disease spread to me. Um so because of asymptomatic white privilege, we should probably isolate all white people from each other so that we can keep it from spreading further. I, I, I think you're, strangely enough, I think you're on to something, Billy. But anyway, okay, go ahead. Serious comment, though. You know, I think people just need to realize the Democrat Party is co-opting the Black Lives Matter movement. White people, white Democrats especially, do not care as much about black lives as they say they do if they did there would be groups that were more powerful and greater attended than moms demand action because there's more black kids killed in chicago than there are shot in schools around the country but we we have moms demand action about the school shootings about white kids being shot but we don't have we don't have these same kind of groups or haven't had Democrats involved in in BLM-type protests about black kids being shot in All right. Chicago. All right. That's the minute. Thank you so much, Billy. Sorry that we got to the end of the show, but uh, See you guys. time's up. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Chris, you're on the mark. Now you get a minute. Yeah, I guess I won't get the gone with the wind this time either, but uh, <laughs> with these ridiculous callers before me when you take the last one and Lance before him Lance and the caller before him they don't seem to see they, they, they're perfectly happy if Dasso adopted to white privilege they can't even see it even when it's pointed out to them and Chicago is the of course the epitome of all things proving that really Democrats hate blacks and are doing no good and just using them and co-opting, oh, what a wonderful word that can be used for. Oh, my gosh, that must prove it because you know the word co-opting. I'm really impressed with that one. But it's, it's all blather. 
Blacks have adopted to racist society, and they should be happy. Chris is immune from blather, Wonderful. of course. <laughs> and of course, in Chicago, I'll be sarcastic my entire call. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. So long. I would think we should in. worry at least as much about black kids being killed in Chicago as we worry about other people being killed anywhere. I think our callers have had some fabulous points. Just really so excellent stuff. Thank See you, you Monday. everybody. This is WKOK Sunbury.